I'm being honest, I haven't felt a hundred percent since I had COVID. Like my brain is fire. It's just like, I'm having really hard time with um, like word yep. choice and fact recall, uh, especially yep. if I'm having a conversation with a bunch of people. I find myself doing that thing where I'm like, oh, what was their name? Oh, what was that? Th you know, like mid sentence. Yeah. And I, I sound like a freaking idiot half the time. So that's probably yep. going to happen here this morning. So sorry. that's okay. I had I had the same thing and I still do from time to time. So yeah, what are just, how many weeks? How many weeks out are you? Um, two, I think. Yeah, it'll hopefully get better after another two. But yeah, it sucks. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I don't know if my brain is having to make like new connections or what. It's 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 one of these experiences, though, that just reminds me like how fragile yep, the sentience brain and, you know, like being cogent really is like all it takes is a yep. little a little damage and suddenly yep. recall is so difficult. I agree. Morgan is walking dead's best zombie killer. What did they what did they base this on? Nothing really. It's just one of those clickbaity articles, but I thought it was odd. I mean, we didn't talk about the episode apparently where he went back to King County and killed his wife zombie. Yeah. That's that true. has happened on the show. I haven't watched it, but I've you know you can't miss these articles. Which I was like, wait, wasn't he in Texas? Like, what is happening on no. Fear the Walking Dead? But also, you can't bring me back. You can't lure me back in. Nope. Um, I shall yeah. not go back. I don't know what it would take. Is there something that would happen, like you could read about, that would make you want to watch that show again? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cannot. Like Pedro I... Pascal joins the cast. Okay, maybe. Away. Okay, if that happens, sure, sure. You know, you know, I can't, I can't pass up Pedro. I can't quit point. you, Pedro. I can't, I can't. He's the best. He is the best. Um. And anyway, and yeah. So anyway, and he had this funny thing with a also a clickbaity article, but he yeah. really loves Twenty Eight Days Later, and I was happy to see that. Yeah. Especially, yeah. All right, so let's let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Right. This is the Walking. No, this is not the Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. Ah! This is Reanimated Podcasts, podcasts about all things zombified, undead, desiccated, and entombed beneath the earth. Perhaps my name is Stuart, and I'm one of your hosts. And joining me are the dulcet tones of H. A. Conrad in New York. Hello. Hello. Hi. We have just been doing a little bit of preamble discussion uh, on topics ranging from. WTF is going on with Russia, uh, submersibles, and um, zombie news in the news, of which there is always not as much as I want. Uh, Itche, what's your what's your take on uh, this? I mean, do we want? Yeah, we we kind of just <laughs> talked about Fear the Walking Dead a little bit. I might you know, just snip that back into the podcast as opposed to our pre-discussion, but. Do we do we care that Morgan is apparently the best killer on the show? Not really, not really. But but I do think that your question about what it would take for me to start watching Fear the Walking Dead was pretty funny. And, you know, I said pretty much nothing. And then, you know, you, you did actually put something in there that I would I would probably watch. And you the said the thing is, as much as we love Pedro Pascal and maybe he has the ability to sway showrunners to do stuff that is good. He he would be under the uh, control of Shambles and Goldberg, and they seem to be able to find ways to make great actors do dumb stuff all the time. I don't know. I think he would be resistant to it. Maybe. 
I think he's he's the best bet, but he's not going to do that, hopefully. <laughs> so, so hopefully I will never have to cross this bridge. But um, yeah, I think the days also of of uh, Walking Dead spinoffs being able to. Well, maybe not, because, you know, uh, Channing Powell's Tales of the Walking Dead was able to attract a whole bevy of really Im- impressive talent. And then she treated them well, like, well, she she made good stories. Um, so if it maybe if it isn't Shambles and Goldberg, the, the franchise can still pull in good talent uh, like, you know, Terry Crews and Parker Posey. Mm, maybe. But I think the days of Garrett Dillahunt's signing up for the show are, are over. Um, you know, Jenna Elfman is really talented. But I also, I don't know I, that I'd seen her in all that much lately. So maybe it felt like yeah. a good opportunity for her. Yeah. But, you know, I guess we'll have to see what happens. But I'm not well, going back anytime soon. What we'll see is this season will end. Fear the Walking Dead will go away. And then we'll have Daryl Dixon in France. Uh the first episode of uh, Dead Island is already out. Mm-hmm. Is it Dead Island or Dead Isle? I don't know. But anyway, well, we, we have to get into that. Definitely. We will, we will gonna, eventually. We're going to wait for our for our last uh, the last couple episodes of, of Silo. But um, yeah. but I'm excited to watch that with you and talk about it. For so. sure. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen much in the way of reviews. I mean, I'm not going to look at reviews until I watch the show but um we'll see how it's doing critically i have a feeling that critics are kind of just ignoring some of these spin-offs now right um all right so where were we 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 just talked about how there's a clickbaity article on screen rant about morgan being the best at killing zombies on fear the walking dead and to that we say eh. yeah and then far out magazine has a piece with uh, pedro pascal hollywood's it guy my it guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> Jay Conrad's it guy. And uh, he has a hot take. It's not really a hot take, but what was what, what I found interesting about this interview is the interviewer is trying to suggest to Pedro Pascal that the best zombie movie ever made and that kicked off modern zombies was uh, Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead. Which is clearly which is clearly false. Come on. No. <laughs> No, I don't think it's false, false. And I think it's true for some people. I just think that that would have been an easy thing for Pedro Pascal to agree with. Um, but he it seems is. to have had a strongly held feeling about his actual choice, which was. 28 days later, which is why he's my it guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, he has some reasoning about like, the, you know, it's actually a rage virus and all this other stuff, but he calls it a masterpiece. Right. And he's not incorrect. He is absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got I gotta stop uh fawning over over Pedro here. Um and then the next one was also one of my faves, which I just thought this was just a really this is kind of a silly little article and it's it's leading in. It's one of like the PR things going into the the dial of destiny um because Mads Mickelson is is playing a baddie in that and um somebody asked him if there was like a, a role or like a villain or something that he ever wanted to play and apparently he really wants to play a zombie <laughs> or so he said in this which I just thought was kind of funny. I feel like I- of all the stuff of his that I've seen 
is it possible that Rogue One is the only non-evil character he's done? I know. Like, is he done any other? I, I guess it's wrong that I don't know this, but. And he basically designed as a Death Star in that. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think you play to your strengths and he's really good at playing baddies. He's just got that mm-hmm. that way about him. But I think it would be cool to see him in other roles because I bet he's got a pretty cool range. Um so I wouldn't be, I would not be anti to seeing him play like a hero or something. So he was amazing as Hannibal Lecter. He really was terrifying yeah. and amazing. But yeah, he did that. Um, I have to say before I watched it, I didn't, I, I didn't like, I knew he would do it well, but the depth that he brought to that character and that like, he was just completely terrifying. And I mean, not to mention just that show, the the guy he was playing against, um, like, I forget what he even was because it's been years and years, but like the empathy, the right. empath guy also brought like, you know, top, top notch acting. To, and so the two of them, when they were both playing off of each other, just crackled. It was really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just uh, Hugh Dancy, right? That was who played uh, Will Graham. Could be. Yeah, could be. Um, and that cast was amazing. Overall, it was just an incredible cast. So, um, but those two definitely had like a ton of chemistry. Um, but yeah, I would I would watch Mads in anything. But he does terrify me. And what I was going to say is that I I totally remember watching Silence of the Lambs, and you know the first scene where you know they're the scene where that you first meet Hannibal Lecter. And even though he's behind glass, even though he's like in this like secure facility, you're still terrified of him. Mm-hmm. Like you're terrified of him in a way that is just um, absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, so so this was just a kind of a cool series. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It is terrifying, though. And that I cannot believe this was like 2013. Right. Like way back when. So it's been it's been a tick since then. Or a few tips. A few tips. Um, anyway. Um, and then finally, it. the final piece of news was um, it came out of a um, the, one of the co-CEOs of Netflix was in Seoul talking up Netflix, which does have a lot of Korean content. And some of it we have watched and reviewed on this very podcast. I'm looking at you. All of us are dead. And all of us are dead is included in this crazy statistic that this um, Netflix executive was was sharing at this conference which is that 60 percent of netflix subscribers have watched a korean show globally which is i have to assume lots of people um one of the other things that he said in this uh in this speech was that like 90 percent of korean romance i think it was uh is actually watched outside of korea So they've they've got some sort of secret sauce over there. So um, they he called out all of us are dead and the glory, which I haven't seen, which were in the top one hundred, the top ten shows on Netflix in over ninety countries at the same. I don't know if it was at the same time, but uh, it was within you know the last year when all of us are dead came out. So just uh, crediting a zombie show with securing such a huge market share. I think it bodes well for the future of that show, at least. And maybe for Netflix's desire to make more zombie stuff, possibly. Well, Kingdom is 
also amazing and so. also just on hiatus like has not I, no news no. man um so again i did my futile internet searching this morning i know coming i always i always i always search to see if oh it's there an update no no i mean that's there. where i found this article from yahoo which is about this uh three-day visit by uh netflix co-ceo ted sarandos um but the you know so maybe there's a, a glimmer of good good news there but like i've been bemoaning on this podcast for weeks now the state of streaming is not probably too far from the state of the putin regime in uh, russia it's falling apart <laughs> it's falling apart on us some some squid game action happening yeah um well <laughs> that's i think squid game has a little more organization to it than uh, perhaps the situation in Russia right now. However, what else is falling apart, if you ask me, is the situation inside the silo. Ooh, nice segue. Good yeah, job. Thank you. Are you ready to talk about Flame Keepers and Hannah? I am. Flame Keepers, directed by Bert and Bertie. Again, these uh, these two uh, British directors, who's, neither of whose names are Bert or Bertie. Um, and who directed the pilot of Dead Island, uh, which we have yet to see, and written by Jessica Blair. Uh, this one starts us out. Let me go back to my notes. Oh, yeah. Outside. Outside the silo. Well, actually, no. Inside the silo, because we're inside Gloria's head. Right. Where she's having a very nice dream about the beach. But right. the beach is um, like pretty fake looking. And I think that's was this was like a, a conscious choice. They were like, this is a person who's never been to the beach. Right. This is what a person who's never been to the beach, but only seen it in a book and who is high as hell mm -hmm. might think it feels or looks like. So I thought this was um, an, an interesting way to revisit Gloria, because also we haven't seen her in several episodes. Nope. Uh, so, yeah, what was your what was your take on Flame Keepers this beginning? Um. I thought the same thing was that this was a person that had never actually been to the beach. Um, and, you know, Gloria is an interesting character because I think that the way that she is set up, like how she is set up and how she is sort of portrayed um, is, I think that it makes the audience like you have, you have doubts about her. Um, so, there's a little bit of like the paranoia, like even when she was um, interacting with Al like the the sheriff and his wife, um, when Allison, like when she was interacting with them, I think that there was a little bit that like the way she was acting was seemed erratic and seemed like maybe she was paranoid and that this was potentially something in her own head. Um, so I think it's an interesting way to sort of see her because the audience is like, well, what is the deal with her? Is this, are the things that she is saying and thinking actually real? Are these delusions? Are these drug induced? Um, is, you know, or is she somebody that is like a truth teller and she's been kept quiet or they're trying to keep her quiet. And, you know, we've seen that she was correct about like Allison, like saying that they were basically trying to control her and, and didn't want her to have children. They didn't take the birth control out. Um, but even when Allison talks to her husband about it, talks to the sheriff about it, 
um, says, oh, they're going to say that it was a placeholder, that it was something else. So I think that there's a lot of um, sort of uh, misdirection and it's it's kind of cool the way that they uh, like have this character share information with um um with Juliet. Mm-hmm. And not only share information with Juliet, but also reveal information about Juliet's father. Like there's a lot going on in this episode. Father, this mother, George's yeah. mother. Like there's some crazy links that come out yeah. of this conversation. Um the reveal of these flame keepers, I'm trying to rem- remember. Does that sound familiar to you from the book at all? Um, again, I, I started to reread these. I didn't, I have not finished it. So I don't know. I think maybe that was a thing, but I just don't remember. Yeah. I don't recall. So, um, so we, uh, like we also were introduced to this nurse character. I don't know who is playing this nurse lady, but pretty evil as nurses go. Yeah. Very, very nurse ratchety. (laughs) So definitely. Uh, she comes into her her evil um, and like it's not evil. She's just a collaborator. Like she's mm-hmm. she's a collaborator with the Gestapo, basically. And that's yep. that's never good. But so, you know, so so it turns out it was Dr. Nichols, uh, Jules dad, as we kind of learned in this episode, even though he's done more sympathetically. Um, right. Evil nurse. Definitely not. She's just like, oh, we uh, we were a little late on your shot. This, that's why you are uh, lucid-ish right now, and here's some more. So go back to sleep, and that's yep. kind of the end of Gloria's day. And we, you know, we come back to um, Jules looking at the book in her apartment, and she notices for the first time that the flowers are lying down in front of the mirror um, in her apartment, and she kind of stops and looks at that for a minute. I think we are all, we're all like, what? Mm-hmm. What's happening? You're supposed to double the flowers in front of the mirror. The sheriff said so. Yep. Um, and 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 obviously we know that the, they've been looking at her because that's how the last episode ended. They were they were looking at her in the in the camera room through that mirror. And um, Sims is telling them to follow her, but not to send someone, which means that they have cameras, as we know, all over the place. Yep. Jules goes and looks up Gloria Hildebrandt in the sheriff's computer, which I assume is because she saw her name in the book. Yep. Um, there were a bunch that... of names. I didn't, I didn't, you know, capture them all. Well, it was uh, Gloria and George. And, George. and so and there were a couple of others, though, on the left-hand side, too. Oh, but... I didn't see them all. But anyway, yeah. So she, she, she's definitely trying to figure out what's going on she's also having more interactions with billings billings is like mad that she doesn't trust trust him and you know she but he reluctantly helps her out with certain things so um she wants to know where the judge lives because she's you know gonna talk to her about things that are going on um she's found out that you know after she sees gloria she finds out that she's under the order of like this um drug-induced whatever you want to call it by order of the by order of meadows um and so you know paul is like uh, he he is both like it's hard to know whether to trust him or not because he but he seems to generally be flipping in her direction um, but he doesn't like being put into a vulnerable situation because of his family, obviously. So 
It's you know, a weird choice for him coming from judicial. Like we like this character because he is just, just like sweetie. But at the same time, why is he giving her his loyalty in a way that feels like short-sighted? Right. And you and, feel like, yeah. and, and then, and, you know, and so these are a couple of the things like, yeah, I, I hear what, like I could totally see why she would have a hard time trusting him, but he is giving her information but you have to like definitely question whether he's doing this, whether there's a like a separate design that we don't know and that kind of thing. Um, but basically he tells her that where Meadows lives and that she likes to get breakfast delivered every morning or whatever. So and this is after he's gone to a brawl. Yeah. Uh, desperately trying to get her to respond to her radio, but she's in the middle of like trying to get past nurse ratchet and going to visit the judge. Uh, she has a busy, busy day that misses this brawl i thought that this scene where the deputies are like where the hell is the sheriff i'm like you don't need the boss to break up a fight do your yeah, jobs no. like you are trained police officers do your job yeah uh, i thought that that was a little bit like she doesn't she just needs to do paperwork later or debrief or something right. i don't feel like she needs to be at every every brawl agree and then but this is also a little bit of a you know he's being asked um by like um the mayor and like trying to cover for her because she was supposed to go and meet with the mayor and, and he was the one that covered for her and just said it was delayed because she wanted to go on her, her Gloria mystery tour there. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is like a piece of that is that he's do he's putting himself at risk too. So um, I thought, you know, agree with you though. I don't think that they needed her to break up that thing. It's kind of weird. Um, but like they know. had a fair amount of cops or sheriff's deputies show up at this or who were there, um, you know, for a group of people who are probably fairly repressed feeling like they talk about the whisperers and they are there's they they don't disperse, maybe. But then the sheriffs kind of walk in there without like batons or anything. Definitely. When we see the the judicial raiders later, they have a much scarier appeal uh the browns the brown jackets uh and the i don't know like what key rings what are the what are the sheriff's deputies even have yeah. they're just they're fairly um under or, or lightly uh equipped for for this kind of work um yeah. so it's it doesn't it doesn't break up quite as fast as you think billings actually gets pretty beaten up um but he's really he throws himself in there so you got to respect it Right. But I think, I mean, look, this gives them a moment to to come to um, some kind of an agreement or truce. And he does put himself out there for her and has covered for her. And she finally owns up to him that George was killed. He seems really shocked at this, which he shouldn't. Um, and she's putting herself out on a limb here because he could easily, you know, turn her in about some of the things that she's been doing. Um and because because some of what she's doing involves people from judicial and uh, Sims and it's it's really and and she is putting himself at risk here because she does know his ties with judicial. And so and that he really is set up to be her replacement. Um, and the thing that really stood out to her, especially in her conversation with Meadows, was that she basically offered to step aside that all she wanted to really do was. um basically get get this mystery solved and then she'd step out of the way and meadows is very quiet the way she's talking i mean meadows clearly knows she's being 
watched um, and monitored. And, you know, interestingly in her apartment is all these like artifacts and things like that. And Juliet assumes that that's what's going on. But Meadows is clearly just like, you know, a pawn at this point. And so, you know, I think I really that, like this scene. I like yeah. I like this performance by um, the woman playing Meadows here, Tanya Moody, uh, yeah. another English, <laughs> another, another English, English person. person. But she's just like I, I assume she's drinking screwdrivers. That's what um, yeah. I, I don't know. It was like clear clear liquid. So I think um, the, the the assumption here or the inferation the, is that Jules can smell the vodka or whatever because she calls it cold medicine. Yeah, but the just the woman like quietly saying, "I can't help you," and then starting to cry, yeah, uh, and lying down. And, yeah, it's 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 really sad. Um, but it's it was a good scene, and I enjoyed that one. Yeah, and you know, so she's still like, so she's trying to piece all these things together, and a lot of things don't completely make sense. So the idea that Meadows had all this power, but clearly it's not her, and she's scared of somebody. Um, you know, I, like, like all these things are that she's trying to unravel and reveal. And she's just kind of uncovering little bits here and there. But the whole thing doesn't completely make sense. Um, I guess the one thing in this whole thing, especially with the when we see how much monitoring is actually being done is, I guess, like the one thing that just sits with me as kind of a hole in this whole plot is they know enough about the things that she Juliet is uncovering to know that she's a threat. We don't know why she's a threat, but we do know that whatever she's doing is totally unsanctioned and absolutely outside of the pact. So I guess my question is, is like, why wouldn't Sims just take care of her really quickly? Um, so that doesn't completely make sense to me. Um, but I don't know. What did, did that bother you at all? Run that by me again. Why does judicial just like take her out? Yeah, because I mean, she's she has the they they have been watching her. They know that she has the book. They know that she's, you know, yeah. talking to they don't know exactly what she and Gloria have said to each other, but they know that she's somehow involved um, in, you know, they, they know she's talking to her in any case. Um, they know enough by observing her some of her suspicions. Um, so it just feels a little bit odd to me that they would still be laying her out there, running around, stirring up trouble. That yeah, they should be I, so I they, afraid of. Yeah. They yeah. I mean, they I think they're they're trying to walk this line between letting everybody know that they're under surveillance and uh and still reacting in ways that can like tamp down the worst breaches. So they don't actually send in the raiders until after she covers the mirror. Is that even in this episode? Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, it is. Um yeah, and then they never really go after the book. They're not really that interested in the book, right? Like, and it, it, you even, I think the the mirror is not covered when they come back to Gloria's room after all those scenes. And uh, and she's like, can I see the book one more time? Or she, can I see it again? And they look at it together on the bed in front of the, unco like, yeah. that must be on camera. So they, yeah, they know about the book. They don't really care about the book. The book, I think, is a, sure, it's probably considered a dangerous relic on on some level, but I think they know the, the prize is the hard drive hard drive yep um but again even though they can't see what's happening they hear enough that's going on that you know it just feels like a little bit 
weird that they wouldn't just shut this down since they clearly have that power. Yeah. Um, and Juliet just manages to get away. And then they uh, uh, we've also had a couple of scenes before we get to the any of the Gloria stuff or the Dr. Nichols stuff, which is like um, when she goes to the, the mayor's office and he tells her. And, you know, like this scene compared with next episode, it's kind of delicious. Um, Bernard's a good actor, it turns out, uh, just like Tim Robbins. Yeah, yeah. Bernard tells her there was a threat. And uh, I love the passive voice that he uses here. And it's also like third person. He's like relating this thing that happened, that Sims came to him and threatened him not to obstruct because of, you know, Judge Meadows' uh, guidance or whatever. And, and then he also starts talking about how IT is so important. Uh, the invisible functions of the silo are all controlled by my servers, et cetera, et cetera. I know you think the generator is the most important, but it's my, it's my stuff. Uh, and she all, he also just blatantly says Billings is your replacement. Like yeah. that's, I don't know that they've been that overtly just out in the open about that, but I guess it's, it's fair. Like, and she stops smiling when, uh, when he says that too. Um, so he, he's like, look, you don't have much time left. I hope you can do what you want to do before the time runs out. And and I guess on some level, he's hoping she finds the hard drive. Like they want to get that thing out of out of the open in a way. Right. Even though it's been hidden. Yeah. Otherwise, why would they give her this time? Yeah. For true. appearances, I guess. I guess they need to do that. Um, I think it's also interesting because he is implying that, you know, as the the head of IT, he's consistently saying, oh, I didn't want this job as mayor, but somebody has to like do these duties. And if somebody who is um, the wrong person in power of all this information and using this power, then that's how like the silo falls. And he keeps um, he's really, really good in this role because he you know, he stood up, he stood up for her before he clearly thinks he like you know, where he Bernard like lied for her before to kind of protect her. So he's setting himself up as an ally to her, but also kind of putting these breadcrumbs out there like, oh, well, who could be looking at this plot? You think it's Meadows? You think it's Sims? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think, you know, knowing knowing just how he sort of behaved about the heat tape and things like that, I think there's always been like a suspicion about his motives and things like that. But um I think that his acting here and his, like, look, I don't think she completely trusts him, but I don't think she has a choice here. So she's kind of like taking his allyship for what it is at this point and trying to just, I think, bide herself some time. But she's not as suspicious of him as she probably should be. She really is not. I think she kind of trusts him because Bernard's a good actor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really works out. She's also had another conversation with Lucas where she's actually waiting for him in the cafeteria, mm -hmm. looking at the stars. Um, she, and she finds out that he works for IT, which she did not know before. Uh, and he says that he has not really had many interactions with Bernard. Right, so nothing to, yeah. I mean, maybe that's true. His favor. I feel like in the book and spoiler alert, no, I probably shouldn't. No, no, fuck it. Uh, in the book, <laughs> we, like Lucas is being groomed to take over IT. He's He's basically... Bernard's shadow so I don't know if that was like a very late development in the book or if you know he really would have just been like a systems analyst who who was kind of middle management and then got picked later on for Bernard I don't know I don't um remember. yeah I don't remember 
But okay, so the, she's had those two interactions, which are kind of important for the next episode, you know. Uh, but then there's all that stuff going on with her dad, who she employs to, um, like, once the legal ways to do this are exhausted, she goes for the sneaky, sneaky, breaky approach and has her dad move Gloria out of um, her room. And then they, like, revive her and they have to wait for a while for her to wake up. And then they have those conversations about flame keepers and George's mom knew your mom. Like what? Yeah. How much would that freak you out to, to, I mean, it must happen not infrequently in the silo, I guess it's like, you know, closed environment. Right. And just even thinking about all this and then she really, she realizes finally puts it together about the mirror because the plan has been moved out in front of uh uh, Gloria's mirror and then you know that's how she gets the hard drive but um there's a lot of like different pieces putting together like including this confrontation with her dad like she still got a very difficult relationship with him and when Gloria basically says that he was part of the whole system in keeping people um you know controlling people and she's really upset about it and you know he says what you would expect him to say and what I think actually causes a lot of the people to comply with what's happening is that, you know, he wants to kind of keep living his life, but they threaten so much, so many st- things or there's sort of the veil of a threat. Um, so, you know, he even says, oh, they said it was because to control the the birth, um, the birth rate and and making sure that there weren't any um, birth defects and things like that and so which you know he clearly doesn't fully believe and then he even says I think that they may have been doing this to punish people or I always thought maybe they would be doing this to punish people and so mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting thing because we've not really seen a ton of them together except you know sort of their backstory and things like that but this gives a little bit more um, background in terms of like his place in the silo and the fear that everybody has, even though you would be like, I mean, he is a doctor. He's in charge of like one of the most important things in the silo. And yet he is still afraid. So it's kind of an interesting I liked, I, you know, and I think that, this again, this cast is so great. And I feel like they're, the interaction between these two actors is incredible. And it's not like it's fully resolved, but it gives a little bit more context um, to some of his behavior, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the scene kind of ends or the, the episode kind of ends with um, the Raiders showing up. Like you said, Jules just gets away. Turns out she doesn't actually go that far. I assumed at the end of this episode that she was like long gone. Uh, and then we find out in the next episode that she's actually just around the corner, kind of. Yep. And um, uh, this also features some of my favorite scenes of um, that feature a character named Diego in the camera room who likes to state the obvious and really, yep. really frustrates Sims. Uh, it's nice to see Sims get frustrated because uh, otherwise he's got that smug smile and fake kindness that common has really been able to just like inject into this character, which is part of why I like and hate Sims, you know? Yeah. So, so seeing Diego just be like, well, we can't see anything. And Sims like, I know Diego, shut up. I know. Uh, right. It was fun. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the end of flame keepers. Uh, Gloria 
is going to be uh, in, interrogated. Or does that happen? I think that's, yeah, that starts in the next episode. So episode six is named Hannah. Yep. Hannah was written by, that's not episode six, it's episode eight. Yeah. Uh, Hannah is written by Jeffrey Wong and Ingrid Escalleda and directed by Adam Bernstein. And we kind of pick right up where we left off, except there are some, uh, there's a fair amount of flashbacks in this episode. Yeah, but there's also like a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of like action on certain levels um, with between Sims and the battle between Sims and Juliet. And so, um, yeah, you know, which isn't she, even the real battle we find out. I know we find out. Um, but basically with, um, you know, judicial is all looking for the hard drive everywhere. Um, it can't find it. And Juliet, you know, uses Billings knowledge of the pack to have Sims arrested over this. Oh certain- yeah. But you can't skip that far. <laughs> I mean, that is one of the more delicious parts of this episode. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't actually play out the way we would kind of want it to, but we, we, this also has all these stories about the rabbit and the microscope that kind of play out in between scenes. Um, the, the judicial raiders are coming to look for jewels. They're looking all over medical because they've turns out they've been pay- taking cameras out of there for years which is also an interesting piece of world building. Like, yeah, things are breaking. They're running out of these cameras. And so they've been they've been putting them in other parts of the silo, which is interesting. Um, well, but the point is, is that like, yes, she has all these flashbacks, but part of why she's having these flashbacks, I think, is it was, everything was kind of busted open with her conversations with Gloria and her father. And so we saw... Like, it's kind of interesting, the storytelling in this, because earlier on, we saw the impact that her brother's and her mother's death and her mother's suicide had on her. And I think that the nice part of this, not nice, but like the interesting part of this is that I feel like the audience was like, oh, I understand why this is like a complicated relationship. I understand why she like went down to mechanical and even her dad sort of says things to lead you to that. But it is so much more deep and complicated Mm -hmm. than that and so i thought it was very nice how they did these flashbacks um and yeah and it it helps uh introduce the scenery the the setting of the farm because we we go there in that first cold open with her mother and jules uh buying a rabbit well trading a rabbit for drugs from Mm -hmm. a farmer and then they're talking about like helping it because or not eating it anyway because it's sick and so it's like it's not just like uh oh i'm getting a pet rabbit for my daughter there's something more to it um and and in in between all these scenes we also have the raiders are going out throughout medical sims comes and talks to gloria and gives her that smile takes the blanket off the mirror and um and you know it, it feels like and it's and what was crazy in the scene is she helped him and his wife get pregnant it seems like i mean she was their consultant for their for their fertility she gave them folic acid and he has a son who we know from earlier scenes in the show he's very fond of mm-hmm. i think he does feel on some level like he does owe her but it doesn't mean he's not going to um interrogate her and i don't think she's holding anything back she doesn't come out and say on camera or in the scene like oh she took a hard drive out of that vent yeah. but she is saying like oh holston put something in there it was a bag she took out 
Yeah. That's what we see her say. Um, but the reward, more drugs. Like he's just like, give her the good yeah. stuff. And may, I mean, that's kind of what he promised her. He was like, you can mm-hmm. you can go back to your dreams. He's but he's why why can't she just, you know, maybe that's what she wants. I don't think that's what she wants, though. I don't know. It seems like she does. She just wants to get back on that beach. Get back to the beach, just be in in the coma for the rest of her life. Well, and I mean, she even says that to Jules, like when Jules and her dad bring her out, which why, you know, when they bring her out of her coma, which is not very pleasant anyway, because she's like had a seizure and feels crappy. But she's like, oh, I just want to go back under. I don't want to be in this world. And so, yeah, that's kind of what she wants. She kind of wants to be in this haze because she doesn't want to deal with reality, which you can kind of understand. It's not exactly like she's had an easy go of it. Mm. And everybody that she seems to have cared about is gone. So, you know, I I get that. Um, and, you know, Juliet, we we see Juliet's sort of experience, earlier experience with judicial um, related to her mother and, and that her mother was somebody that was also curious. Um, Not just curious, and, but like brilliant. Like she designed brilliant. a microscope. Yep. Um, I mean, and, I don't know how powerful it really was. How big is a rabbit's heart? I'm not, I don't know if I remember, but I've eaten one. Um, uh, <laughs> but like she's, she does a surgery on a rabbit and, and Jules is right there with her and they want to, you know, they're doing it together. But then next thing you know, Billings is calling the sheriff back up to the, the office because she's um, tried to break into the hard drive, couldn't, runs back mm-hmm. upstairs and judicial thugs are turning over the sheriff's office. Like, you know, things, events that will probably uh, <laughs> send the silo into upheaval. This is this is one of the things that um, is a little bit hard for me to stomach or, or to swallow about this show is all of the things that Bernard, you know, spoiler alert, Bernard and, and Sims or Meadows or whoever are willing to do to to write the ship are also super disruptive. Right. And could, and- yeah. No, and I agree. And I and I feel like, isn't it? And maybe that's somewhat of the point is like what they're doing seems to be disrupting this silo in a way that doesn't make sense. Like if you're if your goal is to protect these people and protect and like not have chaos, all the things that are kind of happening seem kind of chaotic and terrifying. Um, but I think, again, this is like more and more of the reveal is what this situation in the silo actually is for the denizens. They're not really happy. Um, they're really, you know, they're under surveillance. Everything is controlled. They live in fear. And then you have to think about, well, what was, how involved was John's and, and Marnes? Did they know about this stuff or was this all being kind of handled on another level? I kind of suspect that it was given John's reaction about judicial um, and, you know, she didn't seem to mistrust Bernard, but, you know, she did do her own thing, kept her own counsel. Um, So, you know, I I feel like the more that is revealed of this world, the more dark it gets Mm -hmm. Um, and the less like, you know, this is just a, you know, company of people trying to survive and the more it feels like a repressed community, you know. So it's kind of interesting how they show you more and more and more and more of what is happening on the sort of the underbelly of the silo. Yeah, so. it sure makes sense why Jorah Mormont is so scared of judicial and the whispers. Right. 
um we also have those scenes right and um her, her uh hannah like giving in and putting it together in front of them and the guy the chief thug is like what is that what are you even what are you even are you doing but as soon as she puts it together he smashes it um and that's that's uh flashback is playing at the same time or like interspersed with the flat uh with the present day turning over the sheriff's office very anger inducing scenes um and you're just like this wait these sheriff's deputies are letting this happen in a way you know she she kind of makes us think about it but she also she doesn't have, like nobody is willing to stand up to these judicial raiders and i guess they're more armed and armored than any of our brown jacketed deputies so it all kind of just goes down they even like search her bag um and then they take a box of stuff downstairs and this is where billings and um Jules had that conversation and he's like, look, they skipped 10 steps. This is a violation of the pact. And she's like, okay, uh, maybe she overplays her hand here. I think, you know, the show wants us to think that because she's never really known what's going on as, you know, in right. her search for the, for the truth, she's gotten closer, but she's clearly still completely outmaneuvered uh, as this kind of sequence of events unfolds, but she goes downstairs and you do have this one sweet moment of, uh, her putting Sims under arrest for violation of the pact and um, telling his thug lackey to just return her staplers and all the other stuff back to the uh, back to the sheriff's office. And, you know, right before she walked in, Sims is yelling at the guy for not bringing him relics. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, he brought like, yeah, pole punches. Um, so, again, seeing Sims be frustrated is is pretty fun. Right. Um and look, I think she's buying some time. She knows that she's not going to be able to like keep control of the situation. I think she just views it as sort of temporarily putting Sims on the back burner. Yeah, uh, so get him off the can, board. So that she can continue to try to figure out what's going on with this hard drive. Um, and she or, goes through his files, which I thought was a pretty yep. baller move. Uh, she finds, it looks like maybe she finds a bunch of Flame Keepers files. Mm -hmm. Except that her mother, it's Gloria, and uh, George's mom's files. It, it seems like is what she finds. She and opens her, her she opens her mom's file and uh, turns a page and widens her eyes. And I assume this is where her her suspicions about the mirrors are confirmed because we don't really see what she reads there. Maybe something else will be revealed. But um, you know, like almost immediately after that, she goes to talk to her dad, and they have that reconciliation. And where it seems like she has just learned that there was no confidential informant. Right. And so her mother had accused him all this time. And Juliet, I think, thought the same thing. Yeah. He did protest and he said he was innocent and he didn't do it. And so I think that that was kind of a nice reconciliation with her. Um, Obviously not about sort of being part of the system, but definitely as it as it was in terms of her mother's death um, and suicide and her blame for, for what she thought he, he would like betrayed her. Um, and, you know, look, he definitely was scared of judicial and definitely encouraged Tana to, you know, give up the stuff and, but he was afraid for their family and whatever. And so I think Juliet gets that and she's seen it all over the place. And then she sees it yet again, um, you know, when, she's everybody's afraid and so she tries to enlist lucas to help her um to try to figure out what's on the hard drive because she's unsuccessfully tried to access it and 
he's terrified too. And he basically says he's like the only person taking care of his mom. Like this is sort of the, the theme we keep seeing here is that everybody's like really afraid to help because of the risk that it could pose to people that they care about. And judicial has no qualms about threatening them. Mm-hmm. So that has been, that's kind of an interesting um, theme that we see throughout the entire um, series and it gets more and more fraught, like as you know what the stakes are. And she really pulls out all the stops. Um, she's putting herself at an enormous amount of risk because Lucas is from IT and basically says, this is what we're dealing with. And even like breaks a mirror to show him a camera. Um, yeah, but and- nothing doesn't do the trick. I mean, she only has oh. a couple of minutes by the time they have this conversation. Right. Right. Part of me wants her to just freaking put the camera uh, put the hard drive in a basket and make a parachute and just throw it right. over the freaking right. side i mean maybe that'll happen i don't know i haven't even watched past this episode at this point right. um but, but what it does do is it's like you know from lucas's point of view he he thinks she's being a little bit crazy he's scared to help but then she's like okay they're going to be here in a couple of minutes we got to get out and then he actually sees them uh, yeah they walk right break. past him one of that's a, like a tv trope right yeah the oh i I'm just walking away from the place where you're going to raid, but uh, nobody will question me. Yep. Um, uh, even though he's the only person in the hallway, it was it was a little funny. Um, and, and then but, there's you know like, uh, he's he, she's approaching him too soon, and they're 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 not there yet. Even though he tried to smooch her in the last episode, he's not ready to uh, to rock the boat. He is uh, even he's just looking at stars and and uh, keeping it fairly passive. Yeah. So, but it's just it underscores like how alone she is up here. She does not have any people. The fact that he is her person, this this rando that she's been talking to in the cafeteria three four times. Right. Well, and it shows like she's like, okay, I'm out of time, yeah. and uh, I've got to like, you know, um, I've got to just take the risk because I I I know that I'm running out of time. Um, I think she's aware that Sims is going to eventually get out, but not sure when um, she knows that that's not going to hold. Um, Those scenes were pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the, the the shaking heads and nodding heads of the uh, the sheriff's deputies is that one guy is like bringing him coffee. And then he's like, let me let me use your radio. Let me get out. And <laughs> of course, you know, we, we watch those scenes. They're like, don't you know, let's just leave him in there. They're They're holding the line. They're saying it'd be better if the sheriff or Billings were here. We leave those scenes. He's still behind bars, right? but not for long. Um, also, she's had her dad email walk to say, I'll be there by six. Um, we know that that's a big problem because, oh, look, when she tries to get past the uh, security checkpoint on the stairs, which is why she'd actually gone to Lucas in the first place, it turns out, um, Oh, Bernard's right behind her and is willing to help her get past the checkpoint and then says, I know a quiet place for us to talk and leads her back to the farm, which we've been to. Right. And they must have some kind of surveillance there since her mom had been, you know, outed by the farmer, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, it wasn't clear exactly. I mean, they know through watching them do a like a medical procedure on a rabbit with using a microscope. I think they could probably put two and two together that they got a bunny from the farm. Yeah. Um, but in any case, it's, uh, you know, this is a really great interaction between these two. And Tim Robbins performance as Bernard here is really good. I mean, 
You yeah. know, we all know it's coming, but like she doesn't fully see it coming until he slips. I, I mean, I think she's suspicious. Does he even weird. slip? I feel like he did. He, I think he, Sims was already oh, standing behind purpose. her and he, he was like, oh, did I just say that? It's because yeah. I'm scary and evil. Yeah, I know. And he's really scary and evil. And <laughs> just having the Sims thing show up and then she makes like a real effort to like. um yeah, she kind anyway, of. I mean, she does a decent job, but there's five of them, and yeah, what she can. They have like they have like sticks and like clubs, and she's but she really does a good night. The the fight choreography is really great here, um, and then she finally gets taken down, and but they're walking up the stairs, and Billings, um, you know, Billings doesn't know everything, and you know they do the whole setup where they say that they hear that she wants to go outside, so that's yeah. all set up and you know billions is still trying to help her um and sims like gives her a really hard gut punch as they're walking up the stairs and then she takes advantage of billions little uh syndrome spasm and i mean that's like the cliffhanger literally uh, <laughs> the end of this episode where she is like jumped over the edge of the the stair it so. must be possible to jump off the edge and land on a bridge but i think you have to really know where your bridges are because they all go out at different angles and directions off the stairwell Right. So I'm assuming that's what she's just done. We'll, I guess we'll find out in the next one. Um, but also Sims like straight up punches her in the stomach. Yep. That's wild. Uh, I saw somebody point out, I don't know where it was somewhere on the internet that she was cuffed in the farm and mm-hmm. then she's not cuffed on the stairs, but also Billings has shown up. So maybe he, uh, un- sure. maybe he uncuffed her. Uh, things are going badly. Walker or walk, uh, apparently has agoraphobia and really can't leave her workshop, but has also gotten Shirley involved and Shirley has told walk. Uh, maybe that, uh, that Jules said she wants to go outside. Cause I feel yeah, like she- they don't actually say, they just say, Oh, Hank told you what all the sheriffs know what. Yeah. Um, so we got the, the beginnings of some, some rumblings down in the deeps uh, we've got Jules on the run again <laughs> for right. probably not for long. I don't know how long she can keep this up. Uh, but I'll also say just even in the interactions between her and Bernard and Sims, like even them setting her up to do this, this is like two sheriffs going to clean within Three a weeks. very short amount of time. Two, did they say two weeks, and two sheriffs in as many like weeks? That. And they don't seem all that concerned about it, but no. I think they should be because there has been unrest in the silo. There's been unrest since the whole thing happened. And um, since the, the deaths of um, um, Johns and and Marnes and like, I just don't know how this is sustainable. So, and you know, their, their justification is like, well, some unrest is worth it because the alternative, which is this hard drive, which threatens everything is that much is the worst thing and that you're the biggest threat to this whole community. Did she grab the hard drive before she jumped over the edge? I think so. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think she had the bag or something or she grabbed the bag, which seems a little weird. Well, the bag, I mean, the hard drive has to stay in play. If, if honestly, like for the story, right? Like if Bernard and Sims get it and destroy it or whatever it is they're going to do, then what's left. They have that weird camera that walk has been working on in the depths, but that's going to be some other angle. Um, I assume. I mean, they maybe they could get rid of the hard drive and then just have the camera be the MacGuffin. But on some level, you need one of those devices um, to trigger what's coming next, which is you have to assume a regime change. Right. Not to bring it back to Russia. 
<laughs> well, we've come full circle. Full circle. <laughs> gentle listeners. Uh, um, the silo. It's, yeah. uh, it's in a bit of a tatters, but it's still recoverable. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next time in episodes nine and 10 of, uh, of Silo. And then we can uh, move on to our first love, mm-hmm. zombies. Indeed. Um, so if we'd love to hear what you think about uh, these two episodes and the series as a, as a whole. Hopefully everybody's been enjoying it, uh, despite the, the non, the, the, lack of undead content um although i think you could make the argument that you know maybe some members of the silo community are kind of like zombies just kind of doing their thing um but in any case um and then after after these two um episodes it has been renewed for a second season oh yeah it was renewed it's true so there's more to come but we'll find um, out what happens next but yeah, uh, let us know what you think. Drop us a line, and I'm at reanimatedpodcast at gmail dot com. I'm gonna let Stuart say the other things. Golly, <laughs> reanimated pcast is our Twitter handle, and you can find our episodes on Podbean at reanimated.podbean.com. So uh, join us again next time, and uh, I will say for now, cheerio. Ciao.